0: Welcome to the Roots of the Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Spirit Tafiq. I'm a social justice passionista and daughter of the civil rights movement. This podcast is my commitment to serve as an intergenerational bridge and galvanize change by having honest conversations about identity, the social construct of race, racism, and social justice. Welcome to Roots of the Spirit. Welcome to the Roots of the Spirit podcast. Thank you as always for your support. I feel so fortunate to say that the Roots of the Spirit podcast and community has garnered so many new listeners and supporters from around the globe in recent weeks. And for that, I am extremely grateful. So I just want to extend a very special welcome to everyone who's new to the community. Just as a refresher, you can find the Roots of the Spirit podcast on Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on my website at www.rootsofthespirit.com. We also have a Facebook page and community. So please get in touch with us in one or more of those ways. And if you like the Roots of the Spirit podcast, it would be so greatly appreciated if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Today you're in for a very special treat. I had the golden opportunity to speak to a passionate group of young people who make up the Reform Revolution Project so excited to get into the episode. It all started out when my friend and fellow freedom fighter and anti-racism trainer Alicia Vosberg sent me a message saying that she wanted to introduce me to a young passionate social justice educator who was launching her own anti-racism and social justice education platform. And because I love and wholeheartedly support young people, especially young activists, they are definitely my heart. I totally jumped at the opportunity. So I was thrilled to meet Julia Mariano via Zoom and just had the most wonderful conversation and I just sat in awe as our very special guest, the founder and director of Reform Revolution Project, told me about her vision and the path that brought her to this moment and how she saw a need in her community. and. A deficit in some of the history that she learned in school. And she decided to take her passion, talents, and skills and launch her own movement. I was just so excited to have a conversation with her. And then the most remarkable thing about it is that she had already mobilized a team of equally powerful, determined young people to join in the movement. So this episode is just really awesome. We literally could have talked for another hour or so. It was just a really moving, powerful moment to be among the young people and hear firsthand what are their concerns and the intense research that they've been doing and all of the scholarship that they're bringing to the table and educational resources is just profoundly impressive. So although you're going to meet The other young freedom fighters, once we dive into the episode, I just want to introduce Julia Mariano to lead us into the conversation. She is the founder and director of Reform Revolution Project. She has always believed in accessible and uncensored education. She created Reform Revolution Project to start teaching the hard history that many choose not to learn or never get the opportunity to learn. She hopes Reform Revolution Project can create a conducive and inclusive learning environment for all. Some members of the project couldn't make it to the interview, but are just as passionate about their work and the movement. As if these young people weren't awesome enough, I just thought it was really amazing that they strategically decided to launch their movement and campaign on Juneteenth. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming Julia, Avia, Alex, Cami, Ruth, Samantha, and educator mentor... Alicia. I'd like to welcome the members of the Reform Revolution Project to the Roots of the Spirit podcast. This is a super awesome, unique experience because it's my very first group interview. And also I have to say that out of the many interviews that I have, I only have one other interview with a youth activist. So this is really special to me and I'm so excited to engage in this way with you. It's an honor to have you all on the podcast to talk about your work with Reform Revolution Project, your mission, which I'm excited to read because I was so impressed when I took a look at it. I'm like, wow, this is remarkable. And also, I'd like to explore your thoughts on what this moment in time looks and feels like to you as young people and how you are harnessing the energy of this time to make positive change in your own lives and communities. For the edification of our listeners, I'd like to read your mission statement. Reform Revolution Project believes that through the power of accessible education, everyone has the potential to face the realities of racism, learn about social justice and dismantle white supremacy from the ground up. There is no longer an excuse or room for ignorance in our society. Adopting a growth mindset is for everyone. We hope to provide resources and practical tools to help you educate yourself, educate others, learn how to be actively anti-racist and understand the importance of participation through activism and engaging in civic duties created for lifelong learners by lifelong learners. Wow, it's amazing. I'm just so excited about the fact that you as young people have made that commitment to, to look at this in, in the long run, to look at it as a marathon instead of a sprint. That's Really, really impressive. So let's go around and introduce one another, if you'd be so kind. So can we start with you, Julia? Hi, Um,
1: my name is Julia. Thank you for having us on your podcast, Spirit. I'm really excited and I'm really thankful that you are giving us this opportunity. So yeah, just a little bit about me. I'm a recent Sacramento State graduate. I'm based in Sacramento, but I grew up in San Bruno, California. I'm currently an associate at All the Strategies, a public affairs firm. And I've had a lot of experience in legislative work. I was an assistant to an assembly member in the California State Capitol. And I was also um, a volunteer on campus as a peer academic resource mentor mentor, um, for political science students. So I kind of, you know, really believed in accessible education for all and also um, personalized education as well, because not everybody learns the same way. Um, during my time in university, I also joined the hashtag Fight for Her campaign as well, which advocated for the Global Health Empowerment and Human Rights Act. Um, I also feel like my journey towards activism was a little bit backwards. I started off in legislative work and then I threw myself into activism. Well, usually it's the other way around. Um, but I felt like while my time in the legislature, I noticed so many voices being silenced and it really was um a big wake-up call to me and I felt like it was my duty as an ally to do something about the current state of our country this past few years um in my lifetime I'm only 21 years old I'm quite young (laughs) so as much as I can offer I will bring to the table so that's that
0: it's wonderful thank you and welcome and thanks for setting this up it's amazing thank you I'm gonna
2: pitch it off to Sam hi thank you again my name is samantha thank you for having us on this podcast like julia said i'm super excited um, for our campaign and getting to talk with you today um, i am currently going to into my third year at sac state as a communications major um, right now i currently work with project optimism um, in sacramento i'm based in sacramento um, which is like a youth initiative program that helps um, kids learn leadership and learn different skills in school. Um, And so I'm really, an emphasis on education for me is super important. Um, I've also worked with Young Invincibles. That's where I met Ruth, which is kind of a social um, advocate program where we get to kind of talk about higher ed. We get to talk about policy, different kind of legislative, different things. And so I just did that this past year with Ruth. And so that really kind of opened my mind up to advocacy and social justice. And I mean, for my whole life, I've had a passion for that. Growing up as a person of color, like in my own struggles um, that I've faced. I think it just made me want to fight even more for people who don't have a voice. And so uh, I think that's my passion and I just will continue to do it for the rest of my life. And so, yeah, Uh, I'll kick it off to Avia. Hello,
3: everyone. That was a tough act to follow.
2: (laughs) My name is Avia. Uh,
3: I first got to know many of the people in this group um, through high school and also a program in particular called Sojourn to the Past. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that later, but that was uh, one of the defining moments that opened my eyes up to what activism really looks like and what the story behind the fairy tale civil rights movement that we're taught as elementary school students actually was. Uh, I'm a recent graduate at the University of Michigan. Uh, I have a degree in mechanical engineering, and I kind of tacked on a sustainable engineering and front end product design um, component to that as well. Really excited to be part of this group. I doing this for myself as much as for everyone else who finds value in it and I'm really looking forward to this conversation so
4: thank you Spirit and I will pass it along to Alex. Hi my name is Alex Um, like everyone's been saying thank you so much for having us on this podcast I'm really excited for our our discussions. Um, I'm a recent graduate of UC Davis recent as in of Friday and I have a degree in human development and a minor in psychology and um, like Avia, um, I also, my journey educating myself began in um, uh, Sojourn to the Past. And um, as a member of our SAFE club on campus, which is Student Advocates for Freedom and Equality at my high school. And um, I, that's kind of where my journey started. And I am just excited to continue edging, educating myself and using the platform that we are slowly creating or quickly creating um, to help other people like me um, who want to educate themselves. I'm kicking this off to Cami.
5: <laughs> Hi,
4: I'm Cami. I'm really
5: happy to be here. I am a recent graduate from UC Davis with a degree in biological sciences and a minor in human rights. My activism also began in high school, uh, going on the Sojourn to the Past trip with half these people. Learning about uh, the civil rights movement and Some of the lies that were really told about what it was like uh, really opened my eyes and being able to participate in actively changing the society we live in was pretty eye opening. I volunteer at uh, UCD Medical Center and I volunteer also with a group called uh, Global Medical Training, where we provide health care to uh, different areas in South and Central America. I am really excited to be able to do my part and try to get some social justice education out there. Uh, and I'll kick it off to Ruth.
6: Hi, so I'm Ruth, and I guess I started my journey with social justice in high school as well. I don't think there was a group in particular that like really helped me open up to the issues facing my community. I think I just kind of saw really messed up things going on in my high school and like in my community in general and I kind of Didn't know how to speak out about it, but I knew it was wrong. And I guess once I got to college, I like kind of started learning like the historical context of like why all of these things are the way they are. And that's kind of when I started involving myself with different groups. I've been doing a lot of work for the past like three or four years with different groups in my um, hometown, as well as in Sacramento, where I go to school. And yeah, I guess that's about it. (laughs) That's fantastic. Thank you. Ms. Vosper, would you like to introduce yourself
0: or nay? Um,
7: So I'm Alicia. I am, I consider myself an anti-racism educator. I've been teaching high school students history for 16, just finished my 16th year. Four of the students on this call, well, four of the young people on this call were my students. We have two others who couldn't join us who were also my students. Uh, Very proud to be their mentor. So my role in RRP is I, whatever they ask me to do, I do. I'm beyond impressed. They created the mission statement themselves. I'm just, yeah, I get a little teary eyed as I'm hearing their bios and, and reconnecting with them because there are some powerful young people in this group. I graduated from SF State, so I was influenced by the ethnic studies program at SF State. I was mentored by uh, Paul Longmore, who was a longtime disabilities acti- rights activist. Um, now there's the Disability Resource Center is now named after him. So I've been doing social justice work for a long time. Uh, I was on the teacher advisory board with Hughes Speaks for a long time. Still involved with them, facing history in ourselves. I believe in teaching the hard history and that this work fits just perfectly in with my vision as well. So just really happy to be here as the mentor, honored that they reached out to me. Very proud of all of them.
0: Thank you so much, Alicia, for that beautiful introduction. Thank you all so much knowledge and wisdom and experience and energy and excitement. So the fact that quite a few of you went on Sojourn obviously has me intrigued. Although I think you may know, and some of you may have met, my mother, Minnie Jane Brown Shurkey, who is one of the Little Rock Nine, even though she's my mother, I didn't grow up learning that story. And so I feel a kinship to many of you who said you learned about the civil rights movement in high school. For me, it was like upper middle school. And I went on Sojourn to the Past when I was 20 years old, and it completely changed my life. I talk about Sojourn so much on the podcast, but sometimes we have new listeners. So I just want to make sure that I articulate Sojourn properly. Actually, Alicia, (laughs) I have it all written out, but you'd be the perfect person to give like that beautiful, broad overview of Sojourn.
7: So Sojourn to the Past was born at Cappuccino High School, where I currently teach and it was founded by Jeff Steinberg, who is a fellow social studies teacher. And he looked at, well, he was watching his colleagues and he went on the close up trip to DC. And he said, I could do this so much better. And wouldn't it be great to talk about the civil rights movement? So he started, I think he took two or three students that first year down to the South and it is now blossomed into this amazing, amazing program. Uh, We travel through the South, now it's seven days. It used to be 10 days, now it's seven days. And we meet activists, uh, people who are actually on the ground doing the work during the 50s and 60s black civil rights movement. It is life-changing, amazing. It's steeped in the principles of nonviolence. Students learn and actually observe nonviolence in action on the trip. One of the main goals of the trip is not just to teach them, educate them about the movement, but to inspire them when they get back to do something in their own communities to support social justice activism. This would have been, unfortunately COVID messed everything up, this would have been my 16th year taking students on the trip. So I've gone um, 15 times, many, many students over the years. And this group right here is just a microcosm of what the trip does because I have students reach out to me every day. I have students who became lawyers, social justice lawyers. I have students working in Oakland with Um, Latinx community member, I just, I have students spread out all over the place and I just have a few, I, you know, I have a couple hundred. It's an amazing program focused on nonviolence, social justice, activism, but really steeped in the history. So as a historian myself, I love the program because you learn the real history and a lot of the people we meet are not in our history books. And we, we meet them, we hug them, we hear their stories, we, we travel in their footsteps. So it is living history, living activism. Really for me, it's the quintessential expression of the beloved community, which Dr. King really promoted.
0: I'm so glad that I punted to you because I, I actually, you know, I had like a broad snapshot, but that's so much more meaningful and contextualized and. The fact that you've been involved since the beginning is even more amazing. I jotted down notes as you were speaking. Um, a couple of things that stood out in my mind are fairy tale civil rights movement. One of you expressed that that's how you deemed your education as it related to civil rights movement before Sojourn to the Past. Also the word lies was used. And I heard a, quite a few of you say that you're educating yourselves. So And for me that I feel like that's so unfortunate. Why did I have to learn at age 20 about the real stories of American history? Why did it take a very special teacher, a very special trip that's not even integrated into the curriculum? So I'd like to ask fairy tale civil rights movement. Can you expand on that?
3: Sure. That phrase just came to mind in the moment, but uh, I said it because my memories of the civil rights movement, learning about it prior to Sojourn when I was a junior in high school, mostly revolved around MLK speeches and people sitting in places where they weren't allowed to. And, you know, very kind of singular snapshot, single person style stories. And what those stories entirely missed was the context that this was a movement of people of all kinds of people and a lot of people. And that, yes, there were some big names, but there's a, a movement even of children, you know, who are marching and being put in jails that just does not reach um, anyone nowadays as like growing up, learning about it. So Sojourn to me really opened my eyes to the fact that civil rights movement was years and years and years of tough work. And there was a lot of intentional work done up to that time that allowed for, allowed the space and the culture for that kind of movement to happen. That was my personal take.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Avia, you mentioned something, you brought up young people. And I'm wondering, for those of you who went on Sojourn, for you to learn about so many young people who were involved in the movement. I know for me, I did not see myself reflected in history books. I'm wondering your perception of learning Kind of unearthing this knowledge of young people at the forefront of the movement. Who would like to take that?
4: Yeah, I would like to add something on that. I actually wrote my, I was in like the Ivy program at my school and I wrote um, a research paper on the Birmingham um, Children's March. And something that I, I think something that I took from that is just like, just how brave the children were and that they were just going to jail and like, and just like the, how much power that they had within themselves and that they all like got together to do this and as someone who's like a young person I think like especially in school you always are taught to obey authority and like you don't really deviate from that and so to see these young people like find power within themselves and be so brave to go out and do that and even be arrested for it was something that I think I took away from that and something that I learned on Sojourn as well is just to be brave in that you have the power to um and act change into by going out there and being activist. Yeah.
0: Thank you. How did it feel when you discovered that some of what you had been learning from a very early age were actually myths and downright lies? Julia.
1: Yeah, it, lies is a very big word. And I think misinformation is another big word as well to kind of describe American education with surrounding the civil rights movement, but not even civil rights movement. Slavery in general. How did this become a problem here in America? How the United States became to be in the first place? Um, when I was in high school, history was something that was really important to me, but I felt as a biracial Asian American half Greek woman, I didn't understand a lot of why we were learning what we were learning. It didn't make sense to me. And I think a defining factor that I'm realizing now is that I'm, you know, postgraduate college, I look at what young people are learning till this day is not different from what I've been learning. Um, and if I didn't have Sojourn, if I didn't have an opportunity to go educate myself and go make myself uncomfortable to understand what it really is to be an American, it, it, the byproduct is really sad. Um, I remember recently, cause everything is on social media right now, recently rep John Lewis was out in DC standing in front of the White House. And it was a very sobering moment to, to see that happening. And then I was reading that people didn't even know who he was. Um, and it was a moment of like, how, how did we feel so bad in our education system? And I remember just, it was just one of those moments where it was like, this is an eye-opening experience that needs to be, something needs to be done. And it's our duty as young people, as the next generation to make change, that we need to make those changes. We need to understand that it's our turn that we need to stop talking about misinformation we need to stop painting the picture and it's okay to make people feel uncomfortable because that's what really is going to spark that mo- like that moment of oh that big teachable moment
0: is how to feel uncomfortable yeah awesome i don't want to leave you out if you didn't go on sojourn so who didn't go on sojourn ruth even though you didn't go on sojourn can you talk to me about your education as it relates to like the history of slavery and the 400 years thereafter and or the civil rights movement just just in, I guess you could say in lieu of not going on sojourn, but I would love to hear your experience.
6: Yeah, of course. Um, I think there's a lot of, like Julia said, misinformation in the American education system. And I think even at like a very, very young age, we're taught that like Christopher Columbus was like this great person. And it was really, really awful to me when I went to Mexico to visit my family that they were talking about him and how awful he was. And I was like, wait, no, he was like pretty cool, right? He like came, discovered the Americas, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, no, he, he massacred, raped and like killed a bunch of people and like stole their land. And like, I guess I never saw it from that perspective because you're always taught like they discovered this place and like they like the way they even word it is so manipulative so that you think that like they didn't steal this land they they just kind of like came and joined everyone and that's not what happened they completely took over everything and I think like even starting with colonialism we're not taught the proper like history behind that I think that leads into like everything else because that's how our country was founded that's how America was founded and everything else piled up on top of that, like slavery, the civil rights movement, and the movement we're seeing right now, all of these things all come from that misinformation that starts with colonialism and history behind it. So I think that was one of the most shocking things to me. And I think once I like learned that is when I kind of started getting infuriated and I was like, well, I feel like now everything I learned wasn't, wasn't true. Like I have to go and like teach myself what actually happened. I think that was like one of the really defining moments for me because I started to take classes in college that were like African-American history, um, Black politics, like Latinx politics, and things like that where I actually started to educate myself and teach myself what actually happened. Like what is the true history behind this because the American education system, like the public school system, wasn't going to teach me. Wow. I'd like to take it in the direction of... Reform Revolution Project.
0: I'm interested in the story of how Reform Revolution Project was founded. I can take that. Um, So basically, Julia
5: just emailed a bunch of people and was like, do you want to join me? (laughs) And everyone (laughs) said yes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, um I think Ruth Ruth told me about it cuz we had worked um together with in Young Invincibles and she's like, "Hey, like my friends, you know, putting together like this reform type of thing. Like do you want to be a part of it?" And I'm like, "Um, yes, of course." Like I I love anything activism and so she like gave me the the little Zoom link and I like met up with everybody and I was like, "Okay, this is great." I was like, "This is what we need." right now, this is what the people need because there's so much misinformation, you know, from the news, from social media, this, that, and the other. I'm like, okay, we need to put together a solid foundation of what the truth is, educate yourself, you know? And I think we'd even had talked to maybe our first meeting of like, friends coming in to us talking about, well, I want to help, but like, I don't even know where to start. I don't need, I don't know where to go, you know? And, you know, for me, it was just like, as a, as a black woman, it's like, I can't educate you. Like, I can't make you go and, you know, research or go, you know, read books or do that and the other, do this that and the other. And so I think we were like, okay, this is we, where we want a place for people to come where they can educate themselves, where they can read, where they can gain knowledge. And so it's not, you know, on the shoulders of, you know, our black and brown, you know, brothers and sisters, because if that's it's a lot for them to like try and explain, okay, this is what happened for 400 years. Like, like, I don't have the time or energy to tell you that. And so I think <laughs> Uh, we were like, we want this to be a place where you can educate yourself because, you know, education and, you know, having knowledge is so powerful and it helps us, you know, change the world for a better place and, you know, move, you know, in in the right direction. And so I think that's what, you know, this project is all about.
0: So Julia, they are pointing to you. So talk to me about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, Let's those your
1: recommendations it. are Fantastic, and yes, I did email a bunch of people, and yes, they all said yes. And then I met Sam through a bunch of other friends, and this is how it became to be.
0: So, That's yeah. so wonderful, and I honor you for having that vision and for acting. Uh, Julie and I had a really rich conversation about everything we're speaking about right now, but I thought it would be cool actually, and I, it worked out perfectly to hear from your friends and community who rose to the occasion were like, hey, I wanna be involved. I'm looking for something and that's all it takes. And look at this beautiful configuration of young people. And it's not even the whole group. And just, I'm thinking about the, the ripple in the pond effect that you're having to reach other young people and to inspire change. That's so beautiful to me. Who would like to dive in a little deeper into the various components of your project and your campaign because it's vast and it's amazing you have curriculum you have how to talk to children about racism you have legislative actions police brutality like it's a it's a a wide net and i'm just curious like how do you prioritize different initiatives um, and what are they exactly just for our listeners sake
1: julia i'll just kick it off (laughs) um so yeah there's a lot going on. Um, initially, when I had had this idea, and when we all got together as a group, this was just going to be a two-week information campaign, super quick and a flash. And then literally immediately after our first meeting, there was just way too much to talk about. We didn't want to keep this as a temporary fix. This was not a band-aid. This is something that we're really dedicated to doing. So some of our topics that we do, and we are planning to discuss, um, again, you did touch upon like, tools for students and parents to teach their children. Um, I think now more than ever, since everyone is in lockdown, schools are closed, it's summertime. It's really important to take time to, you know, start kids young to understand what the truth is. That's a really important thing. We're doing some pieces on mental health and self-care and how to have longevity and activism, which I know your mother had talked about before in a Q and A that I was on, um, which is also a very important thing. To remember, because it's a very traumatizing time for a lot of people, um, again, supporting Black-owned businesses, what to boycott, you know, racial justice organizations, bail funds, petitions, things to uplift, things that we need to focus on. Um, we also are doing a piece on policing, how policing became to be, how it became integrated into our communities, who, who was it really meant for, and what defunding the police really does mean, Um, redefining the term as reallocating money to things that we need, like education, like community centers and resources. I think everybody has a different background in this group on what we have done. So yeah, they can, someone can take it away from me and kind of discuss their, their interests and topics and what they want to talk about from their background in their own life. So yeah, I'm gonna pass it off to someone.
0: Ruth, was that a hand or no? <laughs>
6: um, it was but I'll heart. definitely go ahead and um, get started, I guess. Um, so I'm a political science major at Sac State. So I'm very interested in the political aspect of things. And um, I've also done work with like the DNC before. So just getting on the, like, electoral politics of it, um, I think is really, really important. I think it's also really important to acknowledge that even the electoral politics in this country weren't made for people of color. So taking back that power, electing people who represent us, electing people who um, not only visually represent us, who look like us, but who actually uh, represent our needs because a lot of times we get politicians who do look like us, but they don't actually advocate for our needs. So I think that's, um, we're also going to be doing a few days talking about, you know, writing to your representative, um, who um, like local, posi- local elected officials who um, have influence over police brutality and who have influence over how the police... System in your county works or in your city works, so like um, who to vote for, or I guess which positions to look at when you're thinking about voting in local elections regarding police brutality and so those those are some of the things that i'm really interested in talking about i'm really excited to talk about because a lot of people don't don't really look at these types of elections when they think of voting, most people think about the presidential, and when they think on a smaller scale, sometimes they just think about their like congressmen. They don't think about their state representatives, their assembly members, their senate members, and I think it's really important for people to start really realizing that these positions also hold power and are the ones who are going to influence our daily lives more. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Does anyone else want to chime in in terms of like your concentrated area of passion
4: pertaining to the project? Um, I can go really quick. My So a lot of my background from school is in psychology and in mental health. And something that I want to better understand is how this is affecting people's mental health. And so that's one of the topics that I'm going to be researching and um, that we're eventually going to be posting about. And then additionally to that, um, I'm also going to be talking about like bail funds, petitions and do- ways to donate and also podcast books and movies to educate yourself because that's one of the things that i first looked to to try to educate myself before this whole thing like when this whole thing first started and so listening to podcasts and books and um looking for ways to contribute um donation wise and signing petitions and so that's kind of why i have gravitated toward those topics and those are the things that i'm going to be or my group is going to eventually be posting about in the future
0: how amazing. I mean, clearly you, you see the intersections of all of these facets of your organization and how they kind of work together and the importance of them. Black Lives Matter. I was just going to say
3: period after that, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's too much more to say at this point. Black Lives Matter and it's been really interesting to see how that phrase has grown and been embraced in the last few weeks because i remember hearing about it in high school as like a 13 14 year old and and getting the idea but not really understanding what the movement's ultimate goal was and why it was fully necessary Um, and so now as a 21 year old seeing what it's kind of morphed into is is really inspiring Um, and especially seeing the people that are embracing it now. That's been one of the most inspiring parts of the past few weeks for me, seeing what it's grown into. Um, And people that in my life that I would have never expected to jump on that bandwagon, for lack of a better term, have have done so. And that's, I think, part of the energy that we want to kind of capitalize on with Reform Revolution Project is there are a lot of people that are just opening the door into this whole vast valley of um, educational opportunities. We want to kind of provide a soft landing place and a safe landing place for them to start those, those lifelong educational journeys as it pertains to the civil rights movement and what social justice looks like now and how
0: they can help. Thank you. Can I have someone else please share when I say Black Lives Matter? Samantha.
2: I think for me, I think it's more than just saying Black Lives Matter, I think you have to put into action what you're saying and I think one thing that a lot of people are like well all lives matter like I hear this all the time of like this all lives matter stuff and of course all lives matter but that's not what we're focusing on and I think one analogy I saw is like if somebody's house is on fire obviously the firefighters are going to go put out their house and instead of well my house about my house it's like okay, we get it. You have a house, but your house isn't on fire. Your house isn't endangered. So we have to go put out that fire before we can deal with all the rest of the other houses, you know? And so I think when I see people talk about, oh, lives matter type of thing, it's like, you're not not thinking about what we need to focus on right now. You're just thinking about it in a broad perspective. And so I think for Black Lives Matter, Thing. I mean, it's amazing to see how many people have, you know, come together and have been like, you know what, like we stand behind this and like Black lives really do matter. And 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 a part of me, it's kind of like, wow, it's, it's kind of sad that people are now in 2020 kind of coming to their senses of like, oh, well, I guess Black lives really do matter. It's not just a phrase. It's not just something we say because it's trending on Twitter. Like, it's real people's lives who are, you know, who are being affected, who are dying every day, you know? And so I think... It's something that I think right now in this moment, um, it's really getting traction and I hope that this continues and it's not just you know, a moment, that it's a, it's a movement that continues. And so I think you know, I'm gonna keep saying it for the rest of my life because it, it matters and I hope other people you know, understand that too because it's not you know, just me, it's, it's everybody has to collectively work together to fight this. And so that's, that's what it means to me.
0: Beautifully said. Thank you. I just, I'm curious and I really don't know how to phrase the question, but I would like to hear your thoughts on as young people seeing George Floyd die for the world to see. What was that like for you? I mean, like that, that awareness that whether you watch the video or not, I did not, I couldn't, but knowing that that is, that that happened first and foremost. And then now the world sees and now we're awake. Julia.
1: Um, It was, I don't really know how to describe the moment. I didn't watch it. I went and I was on the news one morning as I do every day um, and I didn't ask to see it and it just came on Um, and it was horrifying and it was despicable. But yet the saddest part was that I just was not surprised. Like this is something that in our young lives we have been seeing consistently. I mean, we also live in a very traumatic time too. where are in our young lives as well. We also have ICE agents. We have people living in cages at our border and we also lived through school shootings. Um, that was another really big crisis and it still is a really big crisis. And so along with the lynching of black people in our Decade and in our lifetime is another really big crisis. And it was a moment where I was like, This something has to be done. It's been way long overdue. People have been pushing, 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 and no one is listening. And so, if you have to do what you have to do, what you see necessary, you just have to do it. Um, and I think that reform revolution, we really do pride ourselves on the principles of nonviolence because nonviolence is something we really need right now. We need to teach people how to not be violent and racism is one of the worst viruses that 2020 has ever seen next to coronavirus and I'm gonna be honest with you you know ignorance is is disgusting and we can't have that anymore it's just not there and considering our current administration as well we also need to be incredibly aware that it's not gonna be easy and it hasn't been easy and it's we owe it to the community to do something we owe it to them they have you know, the black community has given people of color of all colors so much opportunity and so much um, change in their own life. And I think it's time that we do the same and we uplift voices and we make sure that people are getting the education they deserve and that they need um, because that is that shouldn't be happening anymore. It's horrifying to see that in 2020.
0: It makes me feel ill to, to hear you say that you're not surprised because a lot of people were not surprised because the fact that cameras were there was the distinguishing factor because it's been happening for hundreds of years. It's just that now it's for the world to see. And I love the way that all of you have been weaving, and I said it earlier, the intersections of all of these oppressions. And I think that it's important to acknowledge Ruth and Avi, I believe you were speaking about like colonialism and how that's connected to enslavement. And then now we have ICE agents. Like you said, this is a very, these are treacherous times. And Alex, (laughs) I'd like to hear your thoughts from a mental health perspective. What are your thoughts about the trauma that we're experiencing and how we're internalizing it? And what do you think that we can do to try to maintain ourselves in this?
4: Yeah, one of the I guess, like one of the things that I learned from I just took like a, a clinical side class about mental health and that um, like in a, in a developmental psychopathology class and that it's like mental health is so it's not on the forefront like no one really talks about mental health and that's like creating a lot of the underlying problems in our society as well that it's just not being addressed and I think for some one of the things that I've heard in relation to mental health and activism for example is that you have to, in order to be like the strongest activist that you can be, you have to prioritize your mental health as well. And then we also have to recognize that, how traumatizing this is for the people that it's, for the black community and the people that it's greatly affecting. And how do we support that community and how do we, and that's like one of the things that we're focusing on is how do we best provide the, um, I guess, the resources to protect their mental health or like support their mental health and, yeah, I think mental health just in general, I just mental health is not is not talked about and I that always like makes me so angry because like it, it it's so important to every single person and I think that's just something that always needs to be talked about. So, I don't know how it's it's such a huge topic. I don't know how to exactly target in on it, but yeah, we just need to prioritize mental health and support every yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you cami have you been to any of the protests in your local area and i know that some and i'm not trying to put you on the spot it's just that i would like to hear from you and if not what's going on in your community what is it looking like what does it feel like
5: um i have not been able to go to a protest because they're
0: uh
5: immunocompromised people that i live with and i don't want to expose them to whatever i'm exposed to but being able to be in the Bay area and the Sacramento area and seeing all of the stuff that's happening here uh, is pretty amazing. I know Alex's brother was just at a protest yesterday in Millbrae where, uh, Jeff Steinberg, who founded a surgeon to the past was speaking. And that was really amazing to be able to hear him just, so being able yeah. to see everything that's happening and the protests, even just in, uh, Davis where, uh, were a couple students who just organized a small march through downtown. That was really cool to see too.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I think you bring up a very important point. First of all, protesting is not the only way. And second of all, we're in the middle of a pandemic. When I talk to young people on Sojourn, I like to talk to them about the various facets and ways that you can organize and be a part of the movement and not necessarily be on the front lines. As my mother said the other day, when we look at the civil rights movement, there were women cooking beans and making Kool-Aid. <laughs> like these roles are just as important. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. How about I follow up with Cami? can you kick off the conversation? One of the, the pillars of your organization, your project is social justice education. So what are your thoughts on that? So learning about social justice really began
5: for me in high school, Um, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go on trips like Sojourn to the Past. So a big thing that we want to do with RRP is be able to give the people who aren't able to go on trips like Sojourn to the Past the ability to still learn and educate themselves on the
0: topics of social justice education. Awesome. Do you have plans to try to institutionalize the curriculum that you're building, like somehow get it into the curriculum that's pre-existing and make it mandatory learning?
1: That is a really great question. So um,
0: going back
1: again, I was a mentor at Sacramento State for the political science department. I worked with two freshmen. I had three in total and I had them for a year and we'd had a lot of discussions. I was there to help them with homework help, obviously. But a lot of our meetings were about social justice issues, how to get involved. And they also were teaching me what they were doing. And I was, I was thinking about it. This is an implementation of my program at school. This isn't something that is taught. It's not a class. Uh, we're in college, so we're offered more curriculum on social justice, like Black history, how to be activists, things like that. But when you're in high school, that's not something, even elementary school, that's not something that you get. Um, one of my first projects, actually, when I was an assistant in the legislature was offering up an idea to make civic education and have social justice as a mandatory option for that. It was something that I really, really want to push. I think it's mandatory. I think it's needed. I think it's necessary. And if there is a way in the future for this to be able to be pushed upon in that area of social justice education, especially now, because You know, schools are closed for, you know, temporarily, students are at home, just making even our own curriculum for parents to do with their children and for teenagers to do with themselves and even educate their parents would be a great thing for us um, in the long term. That's definitely something that I would really, really love to see Reform Revolution push and be a part of because it's necessary. It's definitely necessary.
0: Thank you. Avia, to piggyback off of what Julia was saying, how early do you think that we need to start talking to young people about racism?
3: I think there is no minimum there. Uh, I, I realize that a lot of people have hesitation around throwing the entire picture and full reality of it in front of a really young child. There's valid reasons for not wanting to do that. One, it's traumatizing for many people to learn about these things but they're very much accessible ways um, and compassionate ways of teaching the history of racism in our country and how it's still very, very relevant. And I I can't give you an age because I, I don't think there is a, an age to start that. That should be a conversation that can't you can't remember the beginning of. Uh, and I personally regret that not being the case in my own life. And part of my involvement in this is, me working to have some of these conversations with myself and further educate myself in ways that I wish had happened many years ago. It's really powerful.
7: Can I add into that, even though I'm I'm not really supposed to, but I, so as a parent, I was very adamant about talking about sexuality with my daughter from the beginning. However, you always have to be mindful about being age-appropriate. So when they're two or three, you talk about sexuality different than when they're 12 or 13. From my perspective, it's the same thing with discrimination. You, you know, you, and, and I think part of the campaign that I'm seeing forming here with RRP is, a piece of it is, how do we educate our children? And there are age appropriate pieces that get more you know you're not going to tell your two-year-old you're not going to show your two-year-old the video of a lynching but you start that conversation and it just becomes normalized and embedded that's my perspective on it
0: on that note I have a question that kind of relates to the awesomeness of your mentorship and leadership, Alicia. Um, I interviewed my mother, Minnie Jane Brown Tricky, and she was saying that as an elder, she was provoking other adults to step forward and ask the young people what they need. So I'm going to channel her and ask you, what do you need from us? How can we help you and better support you in your movement, Julia?
1: Yeah, um, that is a really great question. And I think the one that I've I've gotten asked before is, I'm I'm really sick and tired of hearing the youth say this is their movement. It's not for the elders anymore. That is not what we're trying to do at all. And I want to kind of clear that up because we're here understanding all of the work that your mom and the generational gap has provided for us. We would not be here if it wasn't for the work that has already been done we're merely here just to support and to be able to keep it going and keep the ball rolling and keep the education going, keep the activism there. Um, And I guess the thing I would ask for you guys is just support us um, and just really listen with active ears um, and understand that it's new to a lot of us. (laughs) Um, Young people, we're young. We We don't have a lot of wisdom yet. We don't We're not as wise as we could be, but we're learning as we go along and we're making sure that every step of the way that is very important and it's very necessary that we do the things that we do. And as long as we feel that we have the wisdom and the support, we're also here listening with active ears as well. So um, just being active listeners and also just being active support as well. And what you, Spirit, and what Alicia has done for us, this is exactly what we need we need we need this kind of platform we need this kind of support i guess i can't think of another word of support but that's exactly what you guys are doing you're supporting us in our mission to do what we are
0: set on this earth to do right now it's beautiful the way you articulate the intergenerational connection with the movement and that we need each other we there's so much give and take that really needs to take place thank you samantha can you Give us your thoughts on what we can do to support you.
2: I think along with what Julia was saying of supporting, I think just listening is huge too and vice versa, us listening to you guys. I mean for me personally, I I value the elders in my life in their stories and I try and think of, okay, if they did it, you know, I can do it. And it may not be the same way that they did it, but it's like I'm trying in my own way. And so I think um, sometimes we get caught up on how the certain method should be or the way it should go. But I think it's, if we're trying and we're, you know, moving towards a goal, I think that's what matters. So I think... Just listening with you know open you know open ears and just being open to new ideas and new you know ways and patterns maybe that haven't been done before I think is important um, but yeah support is everything um, I think that's everything I kind of think that gives us a little cushion a little you know push to keep going it's like okay. We got the support, you know, of people who've done this before, who've, you know, run the race, and so it's like if they've done so much, it gives me, you know, inspiration just to do more and to keep pushing and to keep fighting, and so I think that support aspect is is so huge.
0: Awesome,
3: Avia. I just wanted to add on to what Sam was saying. I agreed with all of what people are saying so far, but um, I think we tell young people. An appropriate amount that they need to start the conversation. Um, and that's not just used when it comes to, uh, you know, racial justice, but mental health conversations and so many other avenues. Um, I think we also need to be telling that to older adults as well. Older adults have access to spaces, especially in professional areas, given where they are in their life that young people just can't easily reach or necessarily be taken seriously in. And older adults do have a lot of Power in these spaces to direct and start conversations. Um, So I think there is some responsibility there that, you know, everyone can step
0: up to the plate and help. Thank you so much. Ruth?
6: Yeah, um, I guess kind of going off of what Avia said, there is a sense of responsibility on both ends. And I think um, in my experience organizing, I've heard a lot from elders that we're not doing enough or that we're doing it wrong. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that, you know, we live in a different time. We live in a, an era of social media. And, and I think, you know, it's really important to use the, the tools that we have because that's what, our, that's what our peers are using. That's what young people are using. Young people are on social media. And we saw that during like all the protests um, that are happening still that people are using social media to keep themselves safe. They're using the hashtag Black Lives Matter to, to really see where the dangers are, where the police are starting to tear gas. They're keeping themselves safe and they're communicating with one another through these hashtags, through social media. And I think it's really important to really notice that you know there are different methods to do things. Like Sam said, there isn't a wrong or right way and we need to figure out what's best in the moment and we just all need to support each other. We need to also respect that if our elders think that, you know, we need to be doing things a little different, we need to respect how they feel about that, even if we feel differently about that. Awesome. Cami, did you want to add? Um, Just be willing to
5: continue to be uh, listening and learning with open hearts and open minds, uh, both sides of the spectrum, whether you're young or old, be able to Listen to uh, your mentorship and advice from the older generations, and the older generations be willing to learn the new methods and mentalities of the younger
4: generations. And Alex, well, I absolutely agree with what everyone's been saying, and I think that like what we're doing here and what we're planning to do with our movement is definitely showing that like we're trying to build that partnership with you all, and um, listen to you all, and you all are listening to us, and so I think that this is a great example of that starting to grow, especially for our, our, our little movement.
0: <laughs> Big
4: movement. Big oh movement. <laughs> <laughs> Can
0: I speak to that? Absolutely.
7: So from the historical perspective, my perspective on this is my, my mentor, even though I never really met her in person, is Ella J. Baker. And from my perspective as the older generation now, which I hate to admit, we need to look back to Ella J. Baker and how she supported the young people and helped. It was her, her suggestion that they didn't feel represented in SCLC, create your own, own organization, SNCC. So that's my mentorship perspective is I'm not going to, ever tell somebody what to do, I might suggest things or, but I think that the biggest mistake the older generation makes is saying, oh, well, this is how we did it. No, the world in 2020 is different than when I grew up. I love the innovation. It's just, it's providing that support but letting you run with your new ideas that's how i see it so i always i kick it back to ella uh, you know what would ella j baker do that's kind of always in my head when i'm in my classroom when i'm in here with with all of you um you know anybody any young person who's trying to make change it's not about me anymore it's not about us older generation it's about how can we pass it down to you but help you we're we're like the bubble around you i always say i'm making the copies and i'm making the coffee Mm -hmm. that's my job
0: that's awesome i'm like living vicariously i'm getting my 20s back by having this conversation but then there are reality checks (laughs) i do i am so infused with passion and excitement and energy from your energy and your, your agency and your, your vision. I mean, what I would like to let you know is that in light of supporting you, I am totally here for you in whatever capacity that can be. So we can have conversations about that offline. But I really am proud of your work and I feel so honored to have this moment to get to know you. Unfortunately, we could go on for another 20 hours because everything you're saying is so enriching. But unfortunately, we're going to bring it in. Julia, if I can ask you to give kind of a quick overview or a broad overview of your project and campaign that you'll be rolling out and how our listeners can support you as well and how they can become involved and engaged with your movement.
1: Yeah, great question. So we are going to be launching our Instagram page on June 19th, which is also Juneteenth, um, for a lot of important reasons um, that we'll be discussing on our Instagram page. So you can follow us at Reform Revolution Project on Instagram. If you are interested in getting involved in small ways, we have a role for every single person. You can email us at Revolution project at gmail.com. It's all in lowercase. Um, we have a lot of great things planned, and we have a lot of great um, feedback that we would love to get from everybody. And if there is any way that anybody wants to get involved, let us know. We're pretty small right now. Um, but I hope that we can get bigger and bigger and bigger to spread our message. So the more you share, the more you talk about things, the more that you open your mind, that's that's a way of supporting us too.
0: Thank you all so much. Um, elated with gratitude thank you
1: thank you for having us
0: (laughs) thank you so much
3: spirit this is huge for us and really really great conversation
4: thank you as everyone's been saying thank you so so much and this has been great this has been wonderful
0: thank you thank you so much i appreciate it very very much